T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Tonight, tomorrow, today, whatever, wherever you are in the world. This is Grant Cameron, and I have an interesting discussion we want to have today. I have... um, Two guests with me and i'll let them sort of give me their give, give their backgrounds um i've been into consciousness since uh, february 26 2012 before 2012 february 26th i couldn't spell the word consciousness and i couldn't care less um but i'm joined by two guests today um, um bob davis and uh, dave Beatty, and i'll let them give the background of of who they are and why they're into consciousness And then we'll get into a discussion I think is going to be fairly interesting about the importance of consciousness in terms of UFOs and in terms of reality, which I think is where I really want to go with it in terms of how does the world actually work. So go ahead first, Bob, and talk about your background in um, consciousness and UFOs and how you got here and why what you'd like to get out of today's discussion. Well, well, for the first six uh, or so decades of my life, I was a left-brain research scientist, uh, PhD type, uh, articles, grants, and then I had so two arms jobs in Sedona, Arizona. So I wrote the book UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe, which I have mod- I should have modified greatly since the seven years since I wrote it from what I've learned, and it's a continuing process. So nevertheless, it was like an intro one-on-one text. Then I had a shared death experience. Um, I knew my friend had died. I knew it uh, in a dream, lucid dream. I then wrote the book, Life After Death, Analysis of the Evidence. Then about five years ago, I had a, call it whatever you want. I hate to use the term kundalini, mystical, spiritual, whatever, knock my socks off. Uh, That made of whatever unseen forces, which is really the issue at hand here. And what is it? The documentary is based on unseen forces. There is something going on, and we'll get to that, obviously. That led me to write Unseen Forces, the Integration of Science, Reality, and You. So a few people read it. You don't wake up people that way. You send a copy to the first person, synchronistically. Happens to be Dave Beatty. <laughs> I didn't know who Dave Beatty was. I didn't know he was an Emmy Award winner, uh, producer, director, broadcast, journal, you name it. He's it. Uh, more than qualified professional. Has sold a six million views of the Demis documentary. Come on, let's have lunch. <laughs> Long story short, okay? I, and Hi, I'm Dave Beatty. Hi, I'm Bob Davis. You know, to me, it meant nothing. 
Uh, you ever see the movie, the documentary? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, thank you very much for what you did. You woke people up. You know, you know, you're Grant Cameron type in a different way, but you you work to the same thing. You wake people up, and that's the, that's a challenge here. That's a goal too at this level of a, of our evolving humanity. So, long story short, here we are. Here we yeah. are talking about a documentary, talking about consciousness, something that you understand and resonate more with you than just about anybody in the field. And, and I respect all your work, Grant. You know that. Um, let me get to the heart of the matter. As a co-producer, as awkward as it is, we need support. And I'll say it again. Uh, if you resonate with consciousness and the paranormal and the complexity of reality, that's where we're coming from. That We have the experts that illustrate that the documentary and the experiences that help further increase the awareness that you gentlemen have provided. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, maybe I can add, I, th- I don't know if you mentioned, but you've got a neuroscience background, you're not just a, like a scientist. So it's like I always I always make the joke now, if you're a, a, a chemistry hammer, everything looks like a chemistry nail. And if you're a physics hammer, everything looks like a physics nail. But you've actually got a background in uh, consciousness, in, in left brain sort of evaluation of consciousness. But you're not you're not a guy who's coming off the street when when it comes to this kind of stuff, correct? And not 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 I'm not the uh, the average person walking down the street. That's good and bad, believe yeah. me. It depends how you look at it. But uh, it's left brain, right brain struggling. So I'm not only torn apart emotionally in respects to a spiritual emergency, which we all have in varying degrees after we interact with the phenomena and this intention, this information, which we all receive in different words, consciousness as you will, um, but it leaves us with that. Yeah, that spiritual emergency within the question, why me and all the thousands of other questions that emerge from it. So it's left brain, right brain struggle. And you need to talk about it. And that's part of the, and that's part of the help process. Dave, go ahead. Well, as Bob introduced, you know, it's, it's kind of synchronistic in that um, I didn't know who Bob Davis was um, until about six months ago or so when out of the blue, he gives me a telephone call and he starts talking sort of my language, you know, he's talking UFOs, he's talking about a bunch of people that um, we know in common, you know, I've known Grant for a long time as well in the UFO field and um, it was sort of interesting. So I just assumed that Bob was somebody that I had interacted with on social media, you know, I've run like several Facebook groups over the years that deal with the ATIP program and UFOs in general. And, you know, even though they have been private, I assume that perhaps Bob Davis knew about some of the work that I was doing. In fact, during that first um, telephone call, he revealed that no, he was just looking for a video guy that might be able to help him um, do a documentary film on some of the work. He had an interest in <clears throat> sort of um, moving out of just the book author arena and perhaps exploring how this content could be turned into a film. So during that first uh, phone call, it was sort of interesting. And um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about how a film is made, um, this, the structural part of it, the business part of it how you can actually go from a conception to actually having a final product. And in, in that first conversation, you know, I said, I actually, I, I think I said this before I knew about his book. Again, I can't tell you for sure, but I go, Bob, there's a famous quote um, that, it, that is, you know, if you really have a pure heart and intention in this stuff, unseen forces will come to your aid and this stuff will happen. 
doors will open if you follow if you follow through and he's like you know let me send send you my book and so a week later i i get this book and i'm staring at it when i open the package and the cover of the book is unseen forces and it just gave me that you know chill that wait a second that was like a conversation that we had that you know took place and, and i didn't know about his book and and you know fast forward to today where you know we've been pursuing this um topic together and it's been a learning experience for me um you know i explained to bob going back before my filmmaking career back to my adolescence how i sort of first got interested in human consciousness the human soul and you know where we're from where we where we go to and you know ironically i grew up in this small town in upstate new york where probably one of the most interesting couples um, uh, began writing books on psychic phenomena channeled through uh, a, a disincarnate entity named, they called Seth. He called himself Seth and Seth even authored his own books channeled through the uh, medium Jane Roberts and her husband, Robert Butts. So I lived about a, a mile away from this couple wow. in the small town called Elmira, New York. And I grew up there and as an adolescent, I read all the books. Unfortunately, I just missed the bus by a few years because I was a little bit, I was kind of like 14 when that group was taking place and they had their, their meetings going on on a weekly basis, um, monthly basis at her, her house there. So I had this keen kind of awareness of, um, you know, what, what life really could be about, what we're about, why we're here and so on. And that was kind of in the background. And, you know, I did pursue a film and television career. And then fast forward to this discussion with Bob and it kind of rekindled that interest in, in consciousness and what it really means. Now you, you did a sort of a famous documentary moving the UFO thing. And, and I've been in a long time and I think it's key what you're talking about that, that you can actually shift this because you were doing this consciousness thing now we're going to try to, you're going to try to get it out to people. Um, I remember I, I had a, an experience with Steve Bassett at the X conference many, many years ago, where he said, uh, he had the panel and we were all up at the top and he said, well, when do you think disclosure is going to take place? And people said, oh, six months. And someone says a year. I, there's no way I believe it would ever happen. I said, 2042. And Steve was actually very upset. It's like, you know, how could you say this in front of all these people? And, you know, and, and, and I never thought it would happen, but I know with your documentary and with what happened with, with the whole ATIP and the New York Times thing, uh, I, people have to realize that this thing can turn on a dime and that you, you figure like, oh, it's looks hopeless or whatever. Uh, but maybe you can talk a little bit to that about how, how do we get this? How do we sell this to people? How do we get this idea out in terms of shifting uh, people's ideas because you know what it's like I, I always make the joke that you know Stanton Friedman 61 years I went through his files and he had all these debates with famous uh, skeptics and he'd say you know I was at Oxford University and 78% of the audience believed I won the debate but in terms of did he ever convince the other guy of anything he didn't convince anybody any of the people he was arguing with because they had this sort of left brain where they were they had their ideas set and you can't well, well. So can you talk a little bit about how do we your impression about how do we move this, how the power of film and the power of, of say, Hollywood to shift people's uh, attention? Yeah, well, well Stanton and Friedman has something to do with today, of course, as, as well as both of you gentlemen did. 
in your own respective ways. And thank you again. And uh, but but Satan had uh, had involvement from from above, I think too. Look, it's about an external energy. We call it consciousness. Find in different ways, of course, of course, different disciplines, information exchange. You got it with your downloads. I receive it in different ways. Whatever, whatever it is, it's a transpersonal event. We see symptoms of it. What the symptoms are of more awareness, expanded consciousness, this unified interact in a transpersonal event that makes our uh, morning coffee taste different, as I say. The point is, you can't dismiss it. it Everything changes in terms of philosophical and personal values. Science tries to address it. Newtonian physics, we know, doesn't touch it really. Uh, consciousness kind of gets at it in the realm of quantum physics. So you talk about it. We will talk about it with some leading scientists who, who look at some aspects of quantum physics, like Dean Radin, uh, Tom Campbell, with his VR simulation model. And you tie it in with the experiencer, Eben Alexander, another one about seller, proof of heaven, Jeff Long, founder of Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. The list goes on and on. Even Jeff Nolan, we spoke to him the other day, uh, telling us about the, the Corday Pudum and the antenna, the physiologic connection to what? He is speculative, but quantum physics, again, it, it, it kind of aligns with that more so than, you, you know, Einstein's unified field theory. The, the documentary addresses it, gets at that. We need to address the fact that reality, as Dave mentioned, is just so vast and com complex, and people are interacting, apparently, with a non-3D interaction, where that interaction is in the form of information. Largely positive over time, of course, it's it's more than anxiety-producing, emergency-altering, <laughs> and you know, requiring medical attention in many ways because it's so anxiety-provoking. The point is, the complexity of it is such that a multidisciplinary area action must take place, including the sociologists, the psychologists, the physicists, on and on, the pilots, astronauts, you name it. And we don't have it. It's very fragmented. We see good organizations in the public domain, the UAPX, and there are others, so I'm sorry to leave them out, but a few, and that's the problem. And they're nonprofit. So, so what, what, is, what does disclosure mean, Grant, Dave? What does disclosure mean? Like, what does consciousness mean? I don't know what disclosure means. Um, it could mean anything. I, what I think, what I think is going on. You talk about a struggle. I think there's another intelligence interaction with us. One of my four million, in varying ways. The message I don't know. All I know is that it seems to elevate people, uh, spiritual connection, interconnectedness, no fear of death. We understand. We hear about the positive aspects. The more humane character they adopt from the long-term, long-term interaction. Of course, there's negative, negative experiences, horrific experiences. But I don't mean to paint a rosy picture here. Long-term adaptation. People struggle with this. And these are the voices we have to hear. The Hillebrand Amendment, cool. Big step in the right direction. Much more to the story. And they know it. They know there's another intelligence. So what are they going to do? They're happy that Hillebrand's doing her thing. It'll go sit there, do its thing, evolve. You know, have, you know, a little report comes out here where they're sharing this, that. We didn't know what that was, that was. And they want the public to be quiet. Because the public is woken up, it's a good thing, increases awareness, very positive. But how much truth are we going to get that non-human entities are downloading information to us? You think they, they know it. 
I don't know who knows it, but they know it. And people, <laughs> we don't know the names. Yeah. Am I right? Sure. Uh, they get announced that on CNN, the New York Times, op-ed, you know, whether, you know, and that's a fact. So what do you mean by disclosure? Yeah. It's, it's a matter of opinion and, and your belief about the phenomena. It, yeah, they did know. I mean, I, I always quote, that was part of my download was the, the 1950 document, the Canadian top secret memo, where the Canadian, Canadians were being told by American officials what was going on. And uh, they said, you have flying saucers exist, most highly classified in the United States. And then this thing at the very end where they said, um, you know, other things must be associated with this, the phenomena such as mental phenomena. That was, that was September of 1950. I mean, that was like right when it started. They knew somebody on the inside, or we talked to Der Dr. Eric Walker at Penn State University, 1991, and that's when he cut us off and he said, let me ask you a question. What do you know about the seventh sense? And the guy had no answer. And he said, look, let me ask you, let me tell you, unless you understand about how, uh, what it is and how it works, you will not be taken in by the control group. Very few people understand. That's 1991. I didn't know until my download in 2012. Oh, that's what Walker was talking about. I had no idea what he was talking about. And it was this idea of this, this important consciousness connection that they probably already known. So I think the Gilbrand Amendment moves us farther where there, you and I can bring it up without people. Uh, we can bring up consciousness and say, let's talk about this. Let's add this add a piece to the story. And they eventually they're going to have to deal with it because I think um, some people at the top actually know that there is this very key thing that it may all be consciousness. It may the, the UFO thing may just be something that we've they've thrown to us uh, to talk to us in whatever mentality we're in, and that it, it may have appeared as something else in the in the past. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'll jump in here real quick and, and say, you know, I'm I'm not sure what disclosure is. Also, and will uh, the U.S. government and the DoD through these, you know. Um, task force and uh you know offices that are being set up and perhaps you know most of this information will be on the classified side and you know the the subcommittees that are looking at this material that's often being generated by dod versus civilian sources you know will the information ever come out to the public you know there's some people that are active duty that have contacted me and said that you know they don't think that the majority of this information will ever reach the public so I totally agree that um, we're going to see this discussion move forward. Will we will we have answers? Will the our governments be able to provide answers? I'm not so sure that that's the case. I know that there's some people that that do believe that the U.S. government, other world governments, do have these answers and that it's being covered off and they understand the UFO phenomena. They know what the source is and so on. Um, there's a part of me that th that thinks that they are just as clueless as everybody else and and that you know we're actually just as far away from the answer as we were, you know, 70 years ago. And um, I'm not sure of that, but something says if that's the case, then it could be somebody like you or I that could actually stumble upon an answer or uh, a line of thinking or an idea that does lead to some breakthroughs. Yeah. Yeah. My, that's, I'm just, the point I'm making on, on the disclosure thing is that I always believed that UFO disclosure wouldn't happen uh, in, in any sense, in any form, the government would never admit they were even working on it. And that flipped. And I think consciousness can flip just as quickly. And the, the I was giving the example that started just before we, we started to talk, uh, which is sort of where I'm at. I'm not sort of into trying to convince anybody. I'm into, to me, it's always a chess game. It's like trying to figure out how this thing works. Because when I have my first sighting, 
I saw the sighting the first night and then the second night I was, it was, it came at me, which I didn't figure out for 40 years. Why it came at me and then made a left-hand turn and flew into the Northeast. Why didn't you just go from the West into the Northeast? Why did it come towards me? And then I'm starting to say, and I was looking at him going, what's it doing? It's not doing anything. I'm going, and then I figured that I could never figure this out, but somebody had to know what it was. So when I talk about the, the government thing, I find I have people, and I don't think it's really the government. I think there's certain people whether they're in the government or out of the government, who have who know this sort of thing, and one of them is uh, involved in the latest book, the Skinwalkers of the Pentagon book, and that's Kit Green. And Kit Green, um, one of the most important things that I think that he revealed, links into what Free had had been involved with, where Bob was involved with, where you you actually go to the people who are having the experiences. Forget about the lights in the sky and stuff like that. You go to the people who are actually interacting with the intelligence, whatever this intelligence is and you start getting material from them. And in the free survey, uh, one of the things that was said was that 40% of all the people who had experienced answered the question from this thousands of experiencers who answered said, at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And the, the, another 20% said they knew the answer to everything about themselves. In near-death experiences, 31% of all people have had near-death experiences say at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe, which gives the idea that the all the stuff may be there. There may be no time, no space, every, no out there, out there. It's all there and you can access it. So it's the idea of contact modalities. You can get into it. So one of the interviews that I just was listening to was UFO Joe, who had done this interview with Kit Green. And he said to Kit Green, he says, did you ever talk to any, uh, do you ever have any superstar uh, remote viewers? And he said, yeah, I dealt with about a hundred remote viewers. There were three that he could, could consider superstars. Two of them, and he mentions Yuri Geller and he mentions Pat Price. According to anything that he was able to verify and check, 100% accurate, which goes to this whole deal that there are some people who can actually get in and get it all, that the all that material is accessible. And it's all a matter of, of accessing the material and then he mentioned a third woman who was 95% accurate, who's a medical intuitive. So you start to see that it's like playing a piano. Some people are good at it. Some people are, are really good at it. And some people are prodigies at it. And it comes to the whole idea of, can we access this? Can we figure this out? Because it is accessible. All this material is accessible. But you've look, got to look, talk consciousness is information. Yeah, that experience and a million others. Dave and I spoke with Diane Hennessy Powell, neuro, leading neuropsychiatrist. I call her a freak. Uh, Vito includes Robert uh, John Hopkins. ESP Enigma, that you wrote a book. I have a four-year-old kid that speaks six different languages. The autistics of us. We, we understand who they are, unique skills and, and limited function in many, many domains of life. Um, give a six-year-old like a, a cute brood of a, a four-digit number, gives you uh, an answer at the seven seconds, looking up in the sky, you know, accurate to the yeah. fourth decimal point, accessing an information field. Again, we see bits and pieces in, in so many different walks of life, from the biologic uh, in, in, in the form of autistic advance, for whatever reason, to to uh, near-death experience, to UAPs, to uh, in, in, to being touched by a gray in the bedroom. So say people who are more well-balanced than I, who are firmly believed that and are obviously transformed from that moment forward. The point is, people are lit. It's not a matter of contact modalities. It's a fact, I think, that, that this 3D body, from what they're saying, and I wish I knew like the back of my hand, and that's a struggle I deal with. I'm with Dave on that. I know, I know where Dave lies. 
I'm a science at heart. I struggle with it every day. And I experience something that doesn't make sense to me yet. I know it's real. Why? Because my 3D brain, right? It evolved here is experiencing like you did. <laughs> ESP, mental telepathy, mental intention, call it the exchange of information. I would say that's a non-local event, right? Of course it is. Quantum physics explains it. It's 4D. doesn't make sense to you. The brain doesn't make sense to you. We question that all the time. It comes in many different forms. We mentioned this transpersonal event. The free results said just that. And it said more than that, more than that. And I know people are you know, critical of it, but it's a, based on 3,200 people. They claim their conscious, conscious of their interactions. No history of mental illness. It was, it was written by I and Dr. Russ Campone uh, primarily. Uh, he's an, a statistical expert and experimental psychologist, so there's a lot of validity that have been proven that spills into it. It's accepted as a refereed, by a refereed reviewer. Uh, reviewers, it's hard, very hard to get a journal article accepted. Yet, it's very rarely referenced within the field of ufology. You know, it, it really is. You have. I know, because you're interested in consciousness. Not many people are, but it's a byproduct. You see, we see it in UFOs, we see it in NDEs, we see it in OBEs, list goes on and on. DMT, DMT, 100%, David Luke just came out with a paper, 100% of people who do DMT, inhaling a small microdose of it, about 100% interact with non-human intelligence. Guess what? The old sense was benevolent, benevolent. You know, most people say that with UAPs too. Of all shapes and sizes, clowns, sort of grays, and everything in between. We know the story, but benevolent. Uh, UAPs, it varies. About 10, 15% say they're taken physically on board a craft. I know reproductive stuff goes on, it's all hell, but the hybrid stuff, we get some of that in the free study. The vast majority say it's, it's like an OBE, you're floating up to a matrix. Make sense of that. <laughs> Again, try to describe something 4D with a, a language system based on 3D meaning and information. You know, it doesn't work. So when we have people provide us with qualitative information in respect to what's the essence of what you uh, responded to, you get like, uh, yeah, what you said, we feel this like connected with the universe. The, you know, the way that we describe uh, night, uh, what, what are they called? Hitchhikers down, skinwalker book, yeah. and yeah. days, you know, that's a popular term. We'll be kicking that around for a while. Point is, it's that complex. And, and that's disclosure. This happens when a pilot says, my whole family is being spooked out because I had I interacted with the 3D Tic Tac. What? 3D, you know, it gets so complex and at odds with what we understand reality to be, we can't help but wonder. And that's why we need the experts, at least. And they don't have answers, believe me. We're trying to tie pieces together, wake people up to consciousnessfilm.info. If you resonate with the concept of what we are talking about, the complexity and realistic nature of it all, that people indeed, all of us in varying ways, are experiencing and will continue to experience in varying ways. If you have deep pockets, you resonate resonate with it. We need money, and I hate to beg, but this is the, this is the part of a producer. We need money to make it happen. Unfortunately, I hate to beg for three D reasons. Otherwise, it goes nowhere. For ten thousand, throw it on Netflix. You know, eight people watch it. You know, wake up the world. My book doesn't do it. I'm not in it for the money. If I, if I get some, great. Kids, give it to the grandkids. <clears throat> it's a passion. Dave has it. 
he's lit, he's bright, he's bright and he knows it. He's learning a lot, like I'm learning a lot about production and we are passionate, it will happen. It will happen, but uh, if, if somebody knows their terminal, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we all die, but, and if it's your time, you don't want to leave it to the American Pyrotechnic Association and waste money, like I know some people do, unless you're really into fireworks, give it to a good cause. Waking up people to the complexity of it all, and believe me, it's more complex than we can ever imagine. We are just scratching this Hillebrand thing, cool. <laughs> Scratching a surface, my gosh, scratching just a surface. It's still very positive. I'm glad you brought up Diane Hennessy Powell because I, I knew her. I met her in 2012. One of the other examples of somebody you might want to try to stick on there is if you've seen the story of, of um, George Finn, who's an autistic guy. I think he's still alive in New York City. Uh, this is the guy they had on 60 Minutes where they asked him the left brain stuff what's two times three? And he goes, uh, would that be seven? And what's five times uh, seven? And he goes, would, um, would that be 50? And then they ask him, what's uh, the third the third Wednesday in, in the year one in April? And he says, oh, that's a Tuesday. And they're 100% right, which is with, with, with this idea that you can, you can actually pull the stuff out of a field. And when people see that kind of stuff, then you start to realize it's much more complex than we, what, what people think. We haven't got, I always say it's going to be, you know, uh, way more, less, way less physical than people think it is going to be way more spiritual than people think it is. And people aren't going to like that. And it's going to, it's going to be a thousand times more complex. The more I look at it, the more complex this thing gets and the more involved. And, but I still think you've got to go to the people who are actually having the experiences, even this idea of the hitchhiker. So people have the hitchhiker and they want to turn it into this evil thing, these hitchhikers. Well, anybody who's done any sort of paranormal research knows that you have ghosts it's the same thing you have the hitchhiker effect it, it deals with all paranormal phenomena i was just doing paul davids who did the book about um his friend in hollywood who dies and and he does this uh study of all the stuff that happens after this guy dies and the hitchhiker stuff is happening all over the place it goes from one person to another person to gary schwartz and and all these people and uh, it just bizarre as can be but it's it's all the it's the same sort of uh, phenomena. But the people who are are having the experiences, I think, are part of the message. They are part of the 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 uh, the thing that we got to look at. Because uh, and I'll give you another example. When I when I talk to people, you you talk about people being on the ship. So then I used to I used to believe that. And then I would say, okay, when when they're on the ship, then I would say to them, okay, so you're on the ship, yeah. You saw an alien, yeah. Okay, let me ask you, do you have any clothes on? And they go. No, you didn't, I didn't have any clothes. And I say, Did, didn't you think that was weird? And they go, I never thought about it before. And they say, did he have any sex organs? If it's a if it's a real flesh and blood 3D human, like you think it is, did he have any sex organs? I've never had anybody say yes yet. I asked Betty Andreasen's husband, Betty, I had an interview with Betty Andreasen, 1946, 1940, they, they had him. I said to her husband, Bob Luca, did the being ever get any older? You've seen this being your entire life. No, he said, aliens live a long time. When you start to see this thing, and the more you look at it, the less physical it becomes, and the more it turns into this consciousness thing, which uh, when you look at it, I think the documentary is fantastic because people will, will be really floored by this stuff. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. It is so bizarre, and, it, and I think that's what it is. I call it the theory of wow, where they do these really weird things 
because they want you to pay attention. Because if it isn't weird, you're not going to put it in a documentary. You're not going to pay attention to it. Once you see it, when you have the experience, you're hooked. You cannot leave. It's it's the whole idea about the left brain trying to figure it out versus noetic experiences that the right brain gets that absolutely sends you down the rabbit hole and your whole life is flipped upside down. Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the things that um, I started doing when Bob first started exactly. explaining, you know, consciousness to me and this remarkable um, set of, you know, phenomena that's associated with it. You know, we started thinking about, well, you know, ESP, life after death, um, all these different disparate um, topics. And one thing that I noticed is that the UFO experience really hadn't been put together with these other topic areas in studying consciousness. So the idea that we could put together a film that does include experts that are, you know, perhaps studying a taboo sort of subject matter in, you know, material science, um, put those people together with the actual experiencers, the people that have had these um, encounters, um, people that have, you know, uh, like you, you said, the better Andreessen experience, you know, reading those books um, when I was younger, um, it was it just floored me some of the 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 type of consciousness stuff like um, time events where time would actually stop uh, for for certain people that were in the proximity of these um, events, but then for other people within that same field, time had shifted in a different way, so they experienced time differently. Um, I think that that also occurs in some of these other areas of uh, parapsychology and life after death, near death experiences, out of body experiences for groups of people that um, have these time dilation events and so on. So it's all fascinating to me. And again, I'm not, I'm not an expert in the field of consciousness. The first thing that I uh, discovered um, when I started looking at it is that science does not believe that consciousness is a primary force in the universe. They believe that our consciousness or our souls emerges from our brain structure. Mm -hmm so that um, we don't have consciousness until we're, you know, conceived and then our brain creates our personalities, the you, I, me, and that, you know, I was kind of floored by that thinking that, you know, I thought that it was kind of an unanswered question that perhaps they just didn't know and didn't address it. But I think that neuroscience does teach that um, this electrochemical structure in the brain creates our consciousness. And when I started looking at it in some of the researchers that Bob um, introduced me to, I found out that they were beginning to look at it to say that, um, you know, consciousness may be a primary force where consciousness exists before our physical universe, and our physical bodies emerge on this planet, for instance. And to me, that resonated a lot because I think for many of us, we contemplate our lives here and we think, you know, it is my personality, is the personality of my loved ones and so on, does that continue? Does it exist before I'm born? Does it exist after I die, you know, when we dream and so on? Um, is our consciousness leaving our physical and interacting with other realms and people that have um, UAP experiences or life after death experiences? Is that consciousness somehow interacting with another realm of existence? And those are the questions that really started exciting me about this project because I had contemplated those questions and, and heard the stories of experiencers and so on that really intrigued me. I don't have a personal experience with it. So I wanted to hear those stories from other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know the, the 
it, it can it can shift because I know back in 2012 I had the experience and I can guarantee you nobody except for maybe Colin Andrews was talking about consciousness inside the UFO community. I remember Jerry Pippen, who was a very famous interviewer at the time, because I was the UFO president guy. And then suddenly I had this thing and I said, okay, forget the presidents. I mean, I know what's going on now. I, I've got the answer. I'm, I'm on my way to figure out what this thing is. And I was totally revolutionized. And he said, Grant, I can't believe you've done this. I said, what do you mean, Jerry? He said, I can't believe you've, you've, you've given up the president guy to go to this woo-woo stuff. And I said, well, Jerry, I'll tell you what, I didn't actually go there. I kind of got teleported there. There, there. there was no way I wasn't going there. And I can remember if you have remember Jim, Jill Bolte Taylor, who was the neuroanatomist from Harvard, who had this left brain hemorrhage thing where she was out in the universe, she was one with the universe and stuff like that. And she describes this experience of seven weeks with no fear whatsoever. And, and what does she say? She said, you couldn't talk about it. You could not talk about consciousness. So we've come a long way. And I make the joke that even in ufology today, people talk about consciousness because they know it's a buzzword. You better talk about it. Even though they haven't got a clue what they're talking about, they're starting to use the word. We're starting to make a shift here where every time they bring up, a, 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 a say, a UFO case, I'll bring up the paranormal aspect to it and say, you know, even this thing with the, you know, the blue, the blue orbs. So they have the blue orbs, these blue meanies at at at, Area, at, at Skinwalker Ranch. And Betty Andreessen had the blue orbs at, back in the 1960s and 50s and whatever. And they actually, and in one regression, they said, do you think the blue orbs are protecting you? And she said, yeah, I think they are. So it's this idea when you, every time you get sort of this negative flesh, you know, nuts and bolts thing, well, you throw in the consciousness thing and people are starting to move. People are starting to realize yeah, they are consciousness aspect of this. There should be greater emphasis, more than certainly there is. And, and Valet says it, who I have great respect for you, as I mentioned, uh, Heineck as well, and, and a few others who would at least recognize that we should look at every aspect of the ufology. The past, I applaud everybody who's involved with nuts and bolts. We need more public interdisciplinary evidence research as academic, non-academic experience to understand this complexity, the complexity of the situation, because there's people more sane than you who are having downloads. They're just not coming out since the people who you mentioned uh, did so. Uh, now that, that some of that signal is being released, some of them now will, will begin to talk about it, but it take, will take another hundred years before we get to the point where we finally understand, I think, that, that there's more than just three days, and some people are experiencing, experiencing it. We struggle trying to figure it out. So we looked up Don, uh, uh, Gary Nolan. We talked to him the other day. We, we have these one public, the the quoted part of the Pudiman. We have this uh, greater bilateral white connectivity. It's familial. Familial, it doesn't, that, that, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Because it runs in families. And we see this experiences, you know, and have a mother or a grandmother, et cetera. So uh, does that come before or after the experience? That's the other thing. When you had your download, do you have a greater antenna? So with, with scientists and they're doing some research in Harvard there, uh, it, are some people a little bit more receptive, a little bit more maybe autistic in some respect, have that added skill. Um, and maybe there's a biological rationale for that. Not entirely. But maybe there's an integration of energy. Don't you see? We're gonna. We want to get there. Gary Nolan is in our documentary. He's 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 an experiencer. Admitted. He's eager to talk about this. He's one of the leading scientists in the world. Nolan Lab, named after him at Stanford University. He wants to be in our documentary. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot to say. He's doing research at Harvard. Stuff that has to quite interesting. Quite interesting. That does tie in with an external energy, the possibility 
of an external energy, call it what you want. I'm hesitant to even start throwing out terms. You know, it gets to quantum physics and we can go down that rabbit hole, but it makes more sense than gravity and alone as unified field theory. We need that. We need that. I'm not dispelling that. We need more than that. Uh, we need that paradigm shift. That's what the documentary is about. The paradigm shift, the need for it, the need to close that gap between the subjective, the experiencer, the essence of, the, of what they are perceiving. That's non-3D to them, whether it's real or not. Guess what? They feel it's real. It is. Yeah. That's all. And that's and the, yeah. It's and a Gary, level of reality. We, we're not there yet. That's a level of reality. You know who makes the most sense of being about all of this? Everything you both of you are saying, I mean, you know who makes the most sense besides, you know who? You, Grant, if I'm, I'm not saying this to, to you know, getting on a show again. Uh, you, your discussion of consciousness and UAPs a few years ago, the best lecture I ever heard. And I told you that. I forget when, but I told you that. Uh, maybe there's another show. Uh, and you know who else? Beat you. Uh, a head of an Indian tribe in the Southwest. Get the gentleman name knowledgeable doing some quantum mechanics made more sense about it than any they understood the phenomena, the information they were receiving, how to work with it, how to interact. Skinwalker, <laughs> no way. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Yes, I John Alexander told me he was there, nothing happened to him, yeah, you know, but he's lucky. I want no part. I don't want. I, I used to say, "Take me," like you know, uh, alien, whatever that show was uh, on the top of the Empire State. But you know, mashing mashed potatoes, making the thing like Richard Dreyfus. Take me? Nah. How would that? I don't want to, you know. But. <laughs> but but then at Skinwalker Ranch, what George Knapp said, and I think, and I, I I've done a couple lectures on this. Hey, George Knapp said those were the, were the most aggressive to the phenomena I had the worst experiences. It's it's reflective. The phenomena reflects. So if you go in, it's like the old joke, don't take a, a gun to a CE5. I mean, you could run into some kind of trouble. And so if you go in there with, with your backup and you're, you're the ego is leading and stuff like that. You mentioned Gary Nolan. I'd like to comment on that because I think it's pretty interesting. This is where I say you start looking at these people and you start realizing how many people are experiencers. How many people you hear Hal Putoff's son has this major UFO sighting right after Phoenix Lights in Phoenix, this giant triangle. You, you get uh, Eric Davis is an experiencer. Gary Nolan is an experiencer. And Gary Nolan also has the download stuff. So Gary Nolan says, I don't know how it works. I don't know if there's little elves in my head or what happens, but I know how to make it work. I sit there and I write the question down. I put it beside the bed and I wake up in the morning and the answer's in my head. This is the kind of stuff where uh, you you get these ideas and you realize that we're being led, that we're getting we're getting help. That Gary Nolan and and even say that when they said to Kit to Burroughs, that Burroughs is part of the experiment, and that's what Nolan is doing. He's working with experiencers. When I heard the story, when I heard John Burroughs, John Burroughs said that Kit Green told him to meditate and do yoga. I said he actually told you that. Yeah. And then, then you go like, wow, this is, the, they're beyond the, the pale. They, they understand a little bit more than what, what people think they understand. And, and but I, I acknowledge the fact that they're working with experiencers and trying to figure out why, how are these people tapped in? Are the antennas, what's going on? And who are we dealing with? Because uh, in the end, you can look at all lights in the sky, but until you talk to the people who are interacting with the intelligence, whatever this is, you, you're not going to go anywhere. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of scary. I was reading a little bit about um, the, the study that was done that Gary Nolan participated in that they even talk about some interactions with these experiencers that, you know, like John Burroughs had 
um, that sort of damaged him in, uh, physiologically. And they, they talk about some people that had uh, close encounters and close proximity to phenomena that somehow created um, brain abnormalities or that, you know, so again, um, I, I think that Gary said that some of this stuff um, isn't really available to the public um, right now, and even some of his research was eventually closed off to him because it was, you know, a three-letter agency or something that was uh, funding the research. But um, while that's troubling, and I think people hear about the Skinwalker Ranch phenomena as well, and they, you know, kind of lean towards those um, experiences that were negative. There's also, I think, a really um, positive thing, and maybe. I'm not sure what that is, what that field interaction is that could potentially hurt, harm somebody, harm our bodies if we got too close to um, this structure or whatever it is that's this, um, you know, UAPs, are they, uh, you know, nuts and bolts craft? Are we observing something that's more like a two-way mirror where we're, what we perceive isn't necessarily the, it's an optical illusion or we're, we're seeing a reflection, so to speak, of what our own psyche can um, generate versus what this object is or what this um, event is. And so, you know, I, I think that there's like a very interesting transition from this physical description and studying the physical side of it, but then also looking at, you know, what are the, the consciousness elements of, of these experiences? And so many of the um, people that have these experiences, for instance, they may report telepathic communication and not only telepathic communication, but if you look at the, the reports, there's oftentimes very similar kind of messages or very similar types of themes that go on. And so, I mean, usually that's just ignored when you look at the cases they, they're studying the physical, you know, description of the craft, what happened, trying to see if there's evidence and so on, studying the physical um, remnants on the ground. Um, but people that have these experiences, oftentimes it continues onward after the events. It goes on for years and years, as you know, many people know uh, familiar cycles with what used to be called the abduction experience going back you know, to the first people that were studying that. And it, it, they found that it did go on and on and on. So, I mean, I, I just think that there's so many aspects of that particular subject that do transition into the, the area of consciousness. And it just really hasn't been studied very much. And I'm hoping that, that this film will maybe illuminate that a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. And that's why when Strauss and Mac spoke, and compare their notes of DMT users versus those who were abducted in 340 people. They compare their notes of, of the essence of the experience. Sansma um, said he was blown away. Both of them were by the similarity of the experiences. There is that consciousness component, Dave, yeah. You know, look, we talk about now uploading consciousness to computers, don't we? Uh, you know, that's it's, it's things like we're going to be gone, it's going to happen, but you know, it sounds like it's going to happen. I don't know if you can really capture that and put it on a computer, but if someday they can, if they can, they're talking about stuff that you know, it gets into almost like VR because some of the life phenomena that we are observing, phenomena, whatever it is, could be projections of consciousness on somewhere else that we're able to, to, to perfect the concept that we're just trying to start evolving, getting our limited knowledge of technology. They perfected it. Maybe they, you know, bent space time, they hear like that. Uh, maybe it's projections. I don't know. Whatever it is, they don't know either. 
and they're they're elected to defend the the, uh, the people, and, and they're not going to disclose something because they're going to be asked questions by the public. What's really really going on? You know, you know are these SUAPs? It could it could be China. Don't don't dismiss that. So most people go with that possibility. That's probably probably a foreign topic, you know, foreign sub uh, nation involvement or something else. Event, you know, it, many will be convinced. Most probably won't. But but it it, it puts a question in their, in their mind for sure. Um, it goes way beyond that, uh, we're, and we're trying to wake people up, as, as Dave said. You you mentioned the DMT thing. I did I did that as part of my study, and um, I actually wrote a book on psilocybin. But um, the DMT thing, I've got an artificial intelligence expert who told me at one point, and I, I remember looking back at the Strassman stuff. Strassman had uh, at the, when he first did this study, it was fifty percent of people were seeing these beings, and he said to them, "Were you abducted? Have you ever had a UFO sighting? You ever been abducted?" And and then I had this AI guy came to me, and I knew that twenty five percent of people claimed the abduction experience. So I said, and, and the guy came to me, and he said, "I had a DMT experience last night," and he said, "I had a classic abduction experience." I said, "Really?" He said, yeah, classic abduction experience. He said, I could see the arms. I was on a table. They were working on my head. It was classic. So the whole thing is, well, are the people actually being abducted? What's really going on here? That's that very, you see, not going now, anywhere. you see what I mean by trying to, it's a chess game. Don't you see what I mean? It is and a chess this game. Is, and you're trying to put the pieces together. I'm trying <laughs> to do that. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying, you know, best I can. It's a chess game. That's very interesting what you said. Um, yeah, what's that all about? The, the similarities between different kinds of modalities get at the same thing in some ways. Uh, so we can only fathom about that. And that, yeah. that's what's so disquieting to the person going through it. And the last thing that person wants to hear is from a psychologist. I'm sorry, but you need medication for this period of time and forget about the 27 side effects. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. this is what you need. The last thing. And, and there are people like that. And if, and if you're born in Massachusetts in 1853, they burn you. Uh, but if you're in, you're born in, in India, you're you're a goddess. Uh, you know, you know yeah. it's so psychocultural. Let alone, don't even get me involved with the psychological community. And their limited understanding of this. They're not designed to. I don't mean to criticize them. As more become experiences, it'll weave its way slowly. I see it slowly. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's a slow process, but it is happening. It is. I agree. You you play a lot of chess. I played a lot of chess as a kid. I stopped playing once I started to lose a couple of games. So I was very good when I was young. And to me, this has always been a chess game. So it's like if, if I'm playing you, Bob, and you open with uh, King Rook Pawn to King Rook Pawn 4, I go, what the hell is he doing? And, and it's like the anomalies. And that's what Gary Nolan says. I look at the 5% of the anomalies that I can't figure out because that's where the discovery is. So when you see something really weird, that's why they call it the trickster phenomenon. That's why the theory, I call it the theory of wow. The why did you do these really weird things? Because they want to stop you and you go, what is going on? And when you start to, to go down that aspect, so you're looking at the anomalies and, and you know, as you play chess, you, you don't worry about, you, a lot of people play chess. I'm playing this game. I'm going to do the thing. You sit there and you watch the guy make a move and you figure out why is he making that move? What's he thinking? What is he seeing? And you don't move that piece until you know what the other guy's doing. And then you set a trap for him or whatever. And the, I think uh, the, this phenomenon is the same thing. It's looking at the anomalies, looking at the weird things that don't make sense. That's where the discovery and a lot of a lot of this comes down to exploitation, because what I describe is before World War Two, we were into exploration. So you had Einstein and Max Planck and and Bohr and all these guys. and They were talking about uh, there is no matter. 
consciousness is primary, uh, the observer effect, all this kind of stuff. And as soon as World War II came along, it was shut up and calculate. We've got the equations, just make these bombs, make uh, plastic explosives, make uh, synthetic rubber, jet engines, all this kind of stuff during World War II. And there was 200 inventions, and that's when it all shifted where no longer do you, we don't want, we don't care how it works. And I've heard people say this with the UFO thing. I don't care how it works, or, or Ken Kress, who was the remote view guy from CIA who ran the remote viewing program. He said, and almost to quote him, he said, I never knew how it worked. I don't know how it works. I don't care how it works. The only thing I was interested in is does remote viewing work? And if it does, how do I make it operational? And that's what we're doing. We're doing this shut up and calculate thing is how do we get some technology? How do we get this kind of stuff? And you and I are playing the anomaly is trying to figure, we're back in pre-World War II trying to figure this thing Grant, out. Grant, Grant, look, look at the tough road you're going here. What's UAP? I don't know. What's consciousness? I don't know. Bob, what's UAPs <laughs> and consciousness? You know, I'm sorry, but <laughs> excuse me for that. You know, transcribe that computer. But well, it's uh, it's real, right? I mean, it's like we know it's real, but we don't know right, what it yeah. is. We we know all of these things are real. So exactly, no, that that's exactly right. We know we know there was a physical component to it. That's that's true. Uh, but you just said it. The answer: remote viewing. It takes one white crow, one person to bend the spoon legitimately. That's all you need. I'm sure they threw Ingo Swan at the things in the sky. I'm sure they did. You know, rumor has it he didn't like what he saw. Let's not go there. I won't do it again. Yeah. Uh, but that's all you need. And it's, I know it's a rare skill. People claim it. What does other body mean? What does ND? Well, NDE, we do have criteria, thanks to Moody, Grayson, et cetera. Uh, but OB, what do you mean by an OBE? What do you mean by the Kundalini? What do you mean by UAP? You know, most of the things about UAPs, I'll tell you, you know, it gets me into these uh, luminous area phenomena. I, you know, I hate to bring up plasma. It's a long shot. I, I mentioned other shows. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's completely discounted. Let me go through this quickly, please. Unless you know that intelligence and plasma are, <laughs> are not connected. And I look at the pieces like a chess player. Uh, quickly, David Baum, student of, of, of Einstein, you mix some electrons with plasma and, 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 and you know, the fourth, uh, uh, you know, fourth uh, thing of matter, uh, along with uh, solid air, liquid, uh, and comprises what, 99% of the universe. The point is, the point is, you add some electrons to it, he described it as a life form, it had life properties. Uh, fast forward, plasma physicists that Russia came to the same conclusion and then some. Plasma, life form, cellular material. Harvey Rutledge, project identification, unit story, studied the uh, luminous lights in the sky in Missouri back in the 80s for a decade through the scientific method of it. Conclusion, they're intelligent, willful, willful intention and purpose. Okay, all right. What? Fast forward to, uh, you know, Massimo Durani, the hat down lights, two, three decades, again, scientific method, uh, one and one equals two at it, uh, many papers, geomagnetic, it's earthly in whatever way. Read his last paper. Read his last paper too. Okay? It's interesting how he changed his tune, similar to what Harvey Rutledge said, different time, different place, two scientists, what do I know about UAPs? I'm just talking about plasma. And I'm not saying they're right or there's intelligence to it. They describe it as synchronicity, plays games with their head. It just 
interacts with you, turns on to off, responsive to light. I'm sure we've tried everything, thrown everything at whatever it is, you know, plasma at night. The point is some of this could maybe, you know, coexisting life forms. There's nothing unique to that that we don't understand. Of course, we see new species in the city. We, we, we get all that. Uh, however, uh, our quantum processes external to us, plasma and other things, other things. I mean, there are solid objects in the daytime too that are not probably not plasma. I get it. Different kinds of things that are interacting with the brain using a process of quantum physics, torsion, energy, spin. It's all existing in every dimension. Spin is from the subatomic to the cosmological. That's part of the documentary showing that this information exchange exists everywhere. The connection between every level, ESP, human to human, human to physical system, psychokinesis, it's real. Dean Radin, head of IONS, will be the, in our documentary testifying to that. It's statistical, it's subtle, but it is real. Doesn't mean I could bend a spoon. Yuri Geller claims he can, and a few others as well. But the point is, there are, there are, and we have found more than one white crow, rare, of course, but we have more than ample evidence to know that precognition ex exists. What you two gentlemen described as a time distortion reminded me of Cornell of the psychologist Daryl Bem, where the future predicts the past. You know, quantum physics is explainable in terms of no space, no time. People report that 360 degree view. I had a near death experience of 20 blind people who had an NDE. Was surprised to find out that when you die, you're not supposed to see 360. They found it very, very strange that, you know, we only see pie-shaped blind people who have near-death experiences who do pierce the veil of an alternate realm and experience. Visual stimuli. Explain that. Jeff Long, again, who, who qualitative evidence such as that should be a basis of a master thesis and dissertation on the Research Foundation, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, wealth of the vast qualitative information there. It's very informative what people are trying to describe about their experience in the other side. That, that 360 degrees, that's one of the weird chess moves. When you see that, you go, what the heck? Because that doesn't be, if you're going to make up a story, you're not going to make up a story you could see 360 degrees. That is reported by people on board a ship. I've got a guy from England and he's one of the people, I've got 50 people. I remember I talking to Ray about 14% of all people say they've flown the craft. And I said to Ray, Ray, we should talk to these people that have flown the craft. And he didn't really buy into it. But I've got 50 people who have flown the craft. And the guy from England, from Liverpool, England, said, I put my hat on this panel. I became one with the craft. The craft was alive. It was conscious. And whatever I thought was what the craft did, and I could see in 360-degree vision. And that's when you start looking at the anomalies and you realize that these things are across the board. This is not just UFOs or, or it goes across the paranormal thing. And you can start to sort of unravel this thing. And the thing with the with the the people flying the craft is I've got 50 people and nobody has ever said anything different. And it includes United Airlines, 747 Airlines pilots, uh, retired U.S. Air Force colonels. Everybody says the same thing. I went into the craft and they told me, go ahead and do it. I put my hand like I'll tell you, the F-16 guy, he said, I, I saw this panel. I put my hand on the panel and he said, suddenly I was flying the craft. He said, I'm flying the thing. I'm one with the craft. The craft is alive. I'm conscious with the craft. And I thought it was a dream. I said, everybody thinks it's a dream. Just tell me what you what you re re remember. And it was this whole idea is whatever I could think. And he said, so I took my hand off the my one hand off. He said it was like F, uh, 
F-16 suction cups, whatever that means. And he said, I took the one hand off and I thought the craft was going to stall and the craft kept flying. And then he said, I took my other hand off the off the panel about six inches off and I was ready to slam it back down in case the, 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 the UFO cr uh, stalled. And he said, it, it can continue to fly. I had his hands off the thing and you hear this over and over again. And that's this connect connection that everybody who's flown the craft will say the same thing. You use your mind. And I remember in 2013, I had my download experience. My first UFO consciousness lecture was 2013. They had said, are you going to talk to Pam Dupuy? And I said, uh, I guess so. I figured I must have agreed. And the woman came in. She was, you know, remote viewer and whatever, whatever. She's telling me all these weird stories, whatever. And she's in her 70s. And then she told me, she says, I was flying the craft last night. I said, you were what? It's like, come on, you're flying the craft? She said, yeah, I was flying the craft. I said, they let you fly the craft. It said, yeah, they let me fly the craft. I couldn't believe it. And I was ready to throw her out of the house. And then I said, well, how do you fly the craft? And she said, you do it with your mind. And as soon as she said that, it was like this aha moment. It's like, oh, that's why they stuck me together with this woman. And this key key connection that people don't realize, that some people do realize the fact, even uh, um, the Roswell people told me, oh, we knew this in the 1990s, that the, the chairs are all, some of the chairs that the people sit in are body formed, which I've heard as well. You put your hands in these little holes and the guy from, I had a guy, a, a real religious guy, a, a Mormon guy out of, out of Salt Lake City area who told me, he said, they asked him, they said, you're flying the craft, what do you want to do? He said, I'd like to go and I'd like to see the Milky Way from a distance. They said, it'll be one second of intense G-force standby. And he said, he said, it was like watching the pages of a book as they went through the dimensions, like this. And he said, in one second, he was outside the Milky Way looking back. And you hear this over and over again. So when, I, when someone says they've flown the craft, they say, hang on, start from the beginning, don't miss anything. And I record it. And everybody says identically the same thing. And you start to get these things about 360 degree vision, about consciousness being primary. The craft is alive. It's a live organism and stuff like that. And to me, that is. So when I had my experience in 2012, it was almost like I was being guided because I had no interest in the subject. Same as I had no interest in UFOs when I had my UFO sighting. They threw me down the rabbit hole. And then all these people started to appear in, in my path. And it's almost like I've been given all this material as it comes in. And uh, it goes even into things like um, the, the one with the, with the, um, the, you talked about the one white crow. I'm doing this experiment where I'm still gonna, I'm, eventually I'm gonna do it, where you have people who are trans channelers. And Jay-Z Knight was the first one to report this, that when she trans channeled her DNA changed. And I go, so is it DNA change causing consciousness or is consciousness building DNA? Is, is it the chicken egg? What's the what's primary? So I, I ran these experiments and Lynn, Lynn Buchanan, who is one of the top remote viewers for the army, said that he was given a target to mind meld with Saddam Hussein. And he said when he was doing the target, when he mind melded with Saddam Hussein, his eyes changed from blue to brown. And then you have the, the uh, remote uh, 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 guy, um, Paul Selleck, who's a big channeler, who's channeled 10 books. He said when he channels, his eyes change color. That's DNA changing. That's what I'm looking for the second white crow, is if you get a second one where you can actually get a, a physical experiment where a trans channeler's DNA changes when they're in trance, the whole world just flips upside down. The whole idea of the physical world is gone. Or the other one I'm working on is this thing with the blindfold kids, which just doesn't catch on. I know Leslie Kane is working on this, but this is this whole idea that you put a blindfold on a kid. Within five minutes, that kid can see color and he can read books in a couple of days or whatever. And this whole idea, if that is true, 
that you can take a kid with a blindfold and you see them playing games and they're playing soccer games and playing baseball and stuff with blindfolds on the whole world. We have no clue. It just flips that whole idea about what is consciousness. So I think I'm, I'm very excited about what's going on in terms of uh, you guys doing this documentary, getting this stuff out, because I think the world is shifting. and I think we're being helped to move this ball. And I don't think it's going to be that far down the road. I, I'm very optimistic that uh, you didn't hear Lou Elizondo start talking about that, where they said, is this on world or off world? And he says, well, hang on. There's other possibilities. And he's and I remember I had there's an experiencer in, in Israel who contacted me, said, did you hear what Lou Elizondo said? We had a whole show on this that we both picked up the fact that he's saying, hey, this may not be this may be here. It may, it may mean no time and space. Look at quantum physics that everybody's making these assumptions. It's ET, it's this whatever. And when you hear Lou Elizondo say, well, hang on, he can't talk about what he knows, but he's indicating there's something in the background that we aren't being told about. And I'll guarantee you it's got to do with consciousness. You know, uh, one of the things that I was just thinking of is that, you know, when um, Bob and I first started talking about this consciousness project, um, I think at least I was like, this is an open blank canvas, really, because I didn't have a conception of where it was going to lead us and who is going to come into in, into our sphere, who is going to help us, who's going to come, you know, eat somebody, get an email or somebody calls you on the phone or you're walking down the street and, you know, something appears in front of you that you, you know, you're not like um, expecting. So to me, this project is is like that, where I think that um, I don't know what the answer is. It's just really exciting. And this this film project, I think, is going to create itself as time goes on. And, you know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? I'm not sure Bob may know, but um, I, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. And you and you do have some big names. I mean, you're all the people that you've got on your show. I've watched you oh, very carefully, their research. It is, there are a lot of people, even this, uh, the, the, uh, most of them would have signed this thing about the post-materialistic uh, uh, paper that they all signed on to this, this idea that that we were beyond materialism and stuff like that, like Diane Hennessy Powell's on that list. There's a bunch of them where you start to realize there's a lot of people clued into this thing. And it's just making people aware of the fact that these people are out there because everybody's still into how do you make money with this thing? You know, how yeah. do we turn it into weapons and stuff like that? And you probably know that consciousness is is not um, a thing where you can really make money. Even the UFO thing was a thing you could make money until they because when 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 it was done on the Obama administration under Leslie Kane, if you read Leslie Kane's book, they weren't talking about uh, evil aliens. anything. they were talking about a threat to airline traffic. And I guess everybody sort of laughed at them. And then they decided, well, we'd, we'd go into this thing. It's interfering with with military operations. And there's a seven hundred thirty six billion dollar defense budget billion de- defense budget and we can get some money from this to get the research so it's shifted but you need a, a need and uh the consciousness thing is is one step behind but i'm pretty sure a lot of these people realize this 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 aspect even kit green when he's talking to and he's the guy who's working with gary nolan with the experiencers when when john when uh, peniston asked him and that you mentioned this thing about john burroughs being injured well john burroughs was injured but jim peniston was closer to the craft when it flared up and, and Kabanzak was there as well. So the question is, why did John Burroughs get injured and the other two guys didn't get injured? If it's a field effect, John Burroughs or Peniston should have been the guy injured and it wasn't. One of the stories was that John Burroughs pulled a gun. And, and that may explain this whole thing about why people have the good effects and bad effects. But getting back to Peniston, when he was he had a, a meeting with Kit Green in about 2013, he came to get his DNA and do the, the MRI that they're doing for the, the Kata Kutaman thing. And he said, no, no, you're going to get, what do you mean? 
you tell me what's going on. What are you doing? And he said, we're working with eight, eight people. And we're working with experiencers and he and Bigelow had the contract and, and Nolan, he didn't mention Nolan, but he said, we're working on propulsion. And that's when Pennison said, what are you talking about propulsion? What do you think I'm stupid? Like, I mean, it's not propulsion. He said, well, maybe we use the wrong word. We're trying to figure out how does the phenomena pop in and leave just as quickly. And then you start looking at that and you go, oh, this is like the, the old deal is they're, they're, they're popping in, they're popping out. This is not what people think it is. They're not flying from outer space through you know thousands of years to get right. here, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing. And when, when you hear uh, Bur- uh, Kid Green saying that, you realize that these people realize this, the implications of this thing, but it, the thing is to make some money from it, to, to actually get people to finance it, which is the problem that you and you would have here is you've got to get people to to understand the importance of consciousness in this whole thing to buy into this thing right right yeah i mean when i talk to again i'm coming at it kind of cold and i don't you know i haven't researched consciousness like uh dr davis has so i'm I can talk that language to people. And, and when I start even bringing it up, usually their eyes glaze over and yeah. they change the subject. That's the, the it's not, it's not, you know, common conversation with people. Um, I mean, I like to bring up the idea that, hey, you know, why are we here on this planet? I mean, is it possible that some of this phenomena that we're experiencing is consciousness, but it also could be sourced in our own souls? Like for instance, if, if we exist as say Gestalt, personalities. And this stuff comes from that material I talked to uh, talked to you about earlier in the very beginning of the show. What that entity was saying is that the human soul is eternal, that the validity of the human soul is um, eternal, and that we exist as gestalts so that we have multiple personalities that exist um, outside physical reality and outside of time so that we actually can interact with you know, multiple personalities on this planet or in, in other realms of existence. And that's what we have a reason for being here. So if that is remotely true, that we exist outside of time, outside of this physical dimensional space that we live for 100 years or so, um, could it mean that then there's forces that are that we are involved with personally, perhaps, you know, ourselves or other fam- family members that have that go back millennia, that we are involved in other activities that we're not even aware of and it has repercussions and it has there's reasons for these long-term um events to occur and these events are happening we do have free will but we are interacting with this other realm of existence that's outside um physical space so that when we're seeing um you know these like strange phenomena for instance um, paranormal phenomena or uap is that evidence that we're seeing a bridge from another realm of existence to physical reality. And that's why it's, it's unexplainable at this point, because obviously modern physics and science would totally discount anything outside of that um, reductionist physics, creating the universe and the, the laws and so on, that that can't happen. There can't be, you know, another uh, dimension outside of time that could come through dimensionally into this space. But my, my contention here is that we may have more um, responsibility in some of these things that we're experiencing. So if something happens, it may seem um, that this is a, a random event just because we, we don't have conscious awareness of what it is. But maybe we do interact with that in some way. Perhaps when we fall asleep and we dream, um, we're more aware of what's going on. 
um, or you know, before or after our lives here, we're aware of what's taking place. But during this time on Earth, we're just completely, you know, purposely blind blind to all of that. We can't see this kind of evolution in um, humanity that's taking place. But you know, I have great faith that as time goes on, that we're going to become more and more aware of the true nature of the human soul and why we're here, um, what it means to die, what it means for the, our loved ones that have passed on. You know, are they just gone? Are they vaporized as our brains um, die off? You know, because as science says, it's just a, a electrochemical effect of our brain. Or is there actually hope that, you know, we do survive bodily death? And I think that this film kind of looks at that whole subject area. And if one thing that I can do by telling the story or, or letting some of the experts explain this is give people hope that, hey, yeah, you know, science may one day bridge this idea that there is, you know, consciousness outside of our physical body and that they will eventually get to a point where it can even be explained through quantum mechanics or some other advanced uh, paradigm in science. Let me comment on that because one of the biggest interviews I ever did that I was most happy about is I did the interview with Leslie Kane. So Leslie Kane is the one that wrote the big article for the New York Times that blew the UFO thing wide. And she was into physical mediums. I'm into physical mediums because this is a key. It's one of the, the pieces on the board you got to watch because it tells you a lot. And I said, Leslie, tell me the story about the hand. Did it actually happen? She said, yeah, it actually happened. And so this is the whole thing. How does the phenomena come into the world and leave, go back into to wherever it is? And I always remind people that the thing that quantum physics, we now, I think it's generally accepted. There may not be time and space. And as John Wheeler said, there may be no out there, out there. It's all in your head. There is no out there, out there. It's all happening here now at the same time. And that sort of blows everything. But Leslie Kane, when she said, she said, well, the, the table was there. And she said, this happened a number of times. The table was there. And she said, this sort of watery stuff would come up on the table. And this hand appeared. And she said, she felt it. And I said, did it feel? She said, it was absolutely a real hand. It was warm. She could feel the knuckles in it and sort of stuff like that. And then it banged on the table. And then it just disappeared. And that's where I say, if, and Leslie Kane is not off the street person. She's a top person. This is Leslie Kane saying this from the New York Times said, I saw this a number of times. I touched the hand and it went back in. So it comes into the physical world. It manifests in the physical world. And then it goes back again, which is exactly what, what Yossi, uh, Yossi Ronan said in an experiencer in, in the uh, Israel said, they told him, we, when we come into your world, we have to take on a body. We can take on any type of body we want, uh, but we don't have to. You can do the same thing. You just don't know it yet. And it's this idea that may not be as physical as we think it is. And I think quantum physics, the whole leading edge of uh, what modern kids are going to believe, because what, what's going to happen is, as Max Planck says, it's one funeral at a time. Things do not advance by convincing people. They're convinced by, by new ideas coming in and the young people adopt it and they go. I think that the young people already would generally concede the time and space is probably an illusion. It's all happening here and now. It's like a deck of cards, and and it's it's not the physical world. So uh, I think the physical world is just it's a matter of time till it sort of fades away. That we've even got even you mentioned the thing about the reincarnation. According to the free survey, twenty five percent of all people said that they uh, had the, the beings had talked to them about um, past lives, about reincarnation, and and that Mac has one experience where he's talking to one experience. And said, when did you first meet them? 
oh, they were in my last life. And you start to see this, you start looking at the literature and you realize that this is probably going to be true, that it's, it's coming across. And that's where I always ask the question about, did it have, did it have sex organs? Did it have a mouth? Did it have a nose? Uh, did it have a belly button? Did it have nipples? Did it, did it wear clothes? Why do ghosts wear clothes? Mm -hmm. Why do... Yeah, but why are you asking it? Yeah, you see, we need, you know, you should be asking. I applaud you for doing that. You're asking the right questions. Get at the essence of the experience, integrating science as subjective with the physical, which is what we're discussing. And they're doing that in some studies, limited, fragmented by only a few, unfortunately. That's why we need social anthropologists and, and, and linguists looking at that, psychologists look, asking those questions, trying to make sense of the language. What's the thought process, the concept that you're trying to express with the limited vocabulary of their true feelings in order to tie it in? And that's what Luke and a few others are trying to do uh, with NDEs, with some degree of success, limited in nature, at DMTs, trying to, again, understand or try to quantify as best as possible. And unfortunately, we can't with consciousness unless everything is conscious at some level and probably is information exchange from desk, don't do it again, it's painful to everything else. We're getting some information from some source all the time. Um, maybe not when we're sleeping, but that's another story. But, but that's the point, Grant. Um, and, and, and maybe it is a left brain, right brain thing that people are now struggling with. Come to the realization as you addressed, trying to understand that, you know something? This really isn't just 3D. Maybe there really is a 4D. And I think asking the question uh, for the first time is the right step. And, and then once that awakening process, as they want to say, gets going, that's consciousness. And, and it seems science is marrying the torsion energy, integrating with the brain, the spin force, everything's involved, we're all one, you know, bombs, intricate, explicate order, what everybody's saying and, re, you know, realizing Nobel laureates uh, and recognition for the fact of, that they believe in consciousness and develops the ether of the earth, people forget these concepts that have been expressed in folklore and the Bible on cave walls, that's appropriate for the language and science of the times. We're saying the same things we're throwing in 2021 at it. We threw Engel Swan at it. We threw whatever white throw we can at it. Yeah, you're right. We still don't have an answer. Still, I feel good uh, that of the bill that was passed, uh, but in the, in the big scheme of things, it's a right step in the right direction in a long evolving task. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking at, again, they're looking at the nuts and bolts, right? I mean, they're looking at the advanced sensors and so on, but they're completely ignoring this whole other side of the equation, which would be people that perhaps um, are reporting a direct interaction with non-human intelligence, um, or as I think, maybe it has more to do with human intelligence than we're, we, we know about. It's just not human intelligence that we're aware of here. We're, it's, it's a communication that could be telepathic. Um, as many UFO experiencers report, all of this um, information is being, you know, that they're gleaning and, and communicating. It's all telepathic and the beings they experience that seem to have a uh, humanoid form don't seem to look like, you know, a biological entity that we'd see here on the planet, um, you know, like with sex organs, as Grant mentioned, and so on. It's, it's more amorphous and oftentimes 
difficult to describe. They're kind of fuzzy and so on in, in the drawings. And um, I, I don't know, you know, why people um, experience that. I mean, if it really is a physical craft or is the craft itself uh, a trans-dimensional portal, a trans-dimensional means of entering into our physical reality. And once inside that space, then, you know, it's, it's not the same as here on earth. Um, once you, tr you know, yeah. kind of go, go past that portal. Um, one of the things I was thinking of when we were talking to Diane Hennessy Powell, one of the things that just kind of made my, my draw, my job open. And I didn't know this. And this is the first time I heard this about sort of memory and consciousness, because she's looking at it at, at, from a um, neuroscience perspective of what is consciousness? How do we interact with consciousness? One of her uh, theories is that the brain acts as a filter, that consciousness is primary, and that um, we have access to all the information in the universe, and that um, perhaps this field of consciousness that our brains are actually a filter that's created for evolutionary survival on this planet. So in other words, it's actually filtering out every everything except a very finite amount of information that we use to survive. Um, and then she goes on to talk about autistic servants and she was um, in her PowerPoint, she was presenting um, MRI scans of some of these individuals, some that might um, exhibit um, just, you know, kind of prodigy behavior, for instance, being able to recite a, a, a piano concerto after hearing it one time and play it back without with absolutely no training. You know, there's individuals that have those skill sets. And then she would juxtapose that with an MR, MRI of the, of the brain, which would show, you know, vast areas of the brain that are just filled with fluid. And most of the, right, the cerebral cortex and stuff is missing in some of these individuals. And that goes directly against the idea that the brain kind of creates consciousness or our memory systems and our cognitive abilities are completely based in um, the brain. And you have an individual yeah. whose brain physiology is almost gone and completely missing, yet they are ex exhibiting yeah. this incredible yeah. capacity yeah. of memory. And, um, yeah, you're exactly right, Dave. And, and we and learn a lot about what's normal by looking at pathology. Uh, and, and we do learn a lot about, about what is right, looking for answers along those lines. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to the holographic nature of the brain. That one piece represents the whole. Break glass, a mirror. And just one piece represents the whole. It goes into the holographic concept of of reality and consciousness, subscribed to by uh, Edgar Mitchell, who also had a peak black experience and epiphany when he he walked on the moon and, and re-entered and saw the blue dot in space, as William Shatner did. They had a peak experience. We question reality. It was positive in their in, in, in their uh, example, but the point is, we see the parallels, the analogy between body activity, quantum processes at the DNA and cellular level. This has been proven, shown that consciousness is given rise to, is facilitated by quantum events that are happening at the microtubule levels. We all have heard about that theory, the Hemahop. Penrose, I'd like to see it duplicated many times, but they are leading scientists in their fields, and these studies have been have been fairly well verified. Um, as, okay, consciousness at one level, at the brain level, the point is there's many different 
points of, of views regarding consciousness. An anesthesiologist will say it's wakefulness in the ER. Uh, the psychologist says it's cognitive psychology diatribe, but cosmologist gives you a different answer. So we don't know what really we're talking about, but I ascribe to the information, as I mentioned earlier, exchange. Um, even electrons communicate with one another, cells in the body do. The brain is analogous to the universe. Plasma communicates with each other. We see light orbs communicate. It's interesting, the analogies that can be made between our 3D body and our 4D existence beyond it. 3D is not compatible in certainly many ways, but people are experiencing it. And that's the enigma. That's the difficulty when left brain people highly logical people who live in a laboratory most of their life suddenly become experiencers, sometimes spontaneously overnight. What do they do with that? What do I do after working for three decades in a laboratory setting, teaching, administrating, and all that sort of stuff, publish or perish, you know, the scene. And then, and someone saying that the night comes up to me and said, and I said this before, great touch me. Michael J. Carter, you know him, uh, you know him, Grant, Michael J. Carter, a great, a great touch me, read his book. Um, him and a million, millions of others are great touch me. What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that? I've said that a million times. I'll say it over and over again. It makes no sense to this. But I've experienced enough. A great never touched me. I've experienced it enough, enough to get the cork out, as I like to say. We have our different inspectors about that. You can't get back in. I want the answers. Always curious. That's our spiritual quest. The right brain now is a little awake, a little bit awake because of my experience of question reality. Thus, I want more. I know this more. I know because I experienced something that's non-3D. So I am curious as hell. <laughs> it's like uh, playing chess. I love, I, I'm curious if I'm going to win. I'm curious what the next move's going to be. I'm curious. Oh, yo. I mean, Bob. Like, I want to win. Don't, don't you think, though, that when we first started talking about this interesting project, I mean, I, I've always, even with the UFO stuff, I've always wanted to keep it, you know, the, the content uh, verifiable and, you know, not, not go into belief too much, but try to keep the evidence um, that we have. So with this project, that's something that I tell people is that we do want to explore this from the perspective of the leading experts that actually are investigating the idea of human consciousness and trying to define it that, as you said, there doesn't seem to be an answer and we don't really know what consciousness is. And that's something that is when you look, when you begin looking at this, you find out that no, we don't know what consciousness is. Science does not know. It's one of the last huge mysteries, the hard problem of consciousness, as they call it. And I think that, that that's one of the kind of angles that we're taking. We're not just going to show you know, um, stories of people that have had out-of-body experiences and let them tell the whole the whole story of it. We do want to look at the scientific aspect of it and, and, and bring it back to that. And maybe maybe we won't have an answer at the end of the film, but I think that, you know, at least we're going to try to look at it from that perspective. Uh, yeah, on, exactly. A, a point on your thing about the, the brain, the, uh, I, I'm always going to say consciousness is primary, that uh, you can have all sorts of stuff, the microtubulars and all this kind of stuff. It's all uh, correlated. It, it's all involved, but it's not the basic process. I would still say, if you go back to Seth, 
you manifest what happens around you. There is no other rule. And you get into psychedelics. See, when you take about talk about brains, when the psychedelics, they did the big study at, at London College where they figured there was the brain was going to be like fireworks going off. And they found out the brain was actually quieting down when they were under psychedelics. And that's this whole filter thing is the whole idea is in order to get in the field, you've got to shut down the rational analytical left brain. That's the number one rule of remote viewing, according to um, um, Joe McMonagall, there is only one rule. Get empty your mind. Everything that you don't empty from your mind is going to affect the target. And when you look at remote viewing, what is remote viewing doing? You have a target. You don't even know what it is. It's in an envelope. Mm -hmm. You just have a number. And the, 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 this consciousness is able to go and find the target and answer the question in any time and space. And all time and space starts to fall apart. When you look at remote viewing, the whole idea of out there, it's just as easy to remove you on the other side of the earth as it is here or in the past as it is now. And this whole thing, and I, I'd still say, it, I think we know more than we're, we're letting on because Max Planck said, this is back a hundred years ago, said matter, I'm talking as an authority, matter does, does not really exist. Mind consciousness is the, is the primary thing. So mm -hmm. I think we've sort of understood this and it's just a matter of the, the, um, the, the mechanics of it. But I think that's where we're giving, giving people, I don't think these experiences are random. I do not for a moment, I don't get into it, think my experience in 1975 was random. I don't think my download experience was random. I started looking back on all this kind of stuff. And it maybe it goes to this idea that Dave, you were mentioning that it may all be pre-birth pre because I asked all the major regressionists. I asked Mary Rodwell. I asked uh, uh, Kathy Martin. I asked uh, Barbara Lamb. I said, if you were to regress everybody back to birth, how many would say, yes, they agreed to this, to be a part of this abduction experience? And Mary Rodwell said, yeah, like 100%. They basically all say 100%. Kathy, Kathy Martin told me, I asked her, I said, she said, I used to wonder about that question. So I actually had myself regressed and I heard the voice come out of my mouth. I agreed to this. And this is mm -hmm. whole the idea. It may go back into past lives. It may all be uh, just a sort of a video game where we're coming in, we're playing this game and we're all avatars and uh, we're in control of the thing. We are not victims. We are playing this game. And so I always look at it as, as a value that you, all three of us, are here at this time in this place in, in the middle of whatever mess we think we're in. And we're here to do this consciousness thing. We agreed to come in here. We may have had an agreement before we came in and said, we're gonna come in. And you start looking at all the literature, whether it's Michael Newton literature or the experiencer literature, it all basically says the same thing. Yes, these people are all coming in. There's this gradual evolution. Uh, of consciousness and there's a shift taking place and we are part of the shift and we have come in to do this. And uh, it's, so it doesn't really matter whether we succeed or not. It's, did we do something with what we came in? Because uh, that's all the data I see all seems to lead to the fact that it is not one life. It is, even if you get to the body, we assume so much stuff like the body, everybody says, oh, it's just the, it's just the cells dividing. And I say the, the whole thing of the limit case for credulity, which Ter Terrence McKinney used to say, if you have, you have the human body, there's 200 different cells in the human body. Every day, 330 billion cells die in the human body. Every single day, 330 billion cells are rebuilt 
in the human body and everything uh, just happened. It's like, bullet happened. Come on, give your head a shake. There's consciousness that you can see this and, and whatever system you look at, the more you look at it, the more complex it gets and the more consciousness based it gets. And that's the, what the experiences have been telling us all along. It's all conscious. This is what, what this is about. Consciousness is the basics of this thing. And in 2012, as I said, nobody would talk to me in 2012. A lot of people cut me loose, but the world has changed in only 10 years. I am really surprised how far we've come just from 2012. Grant, I've talked to too many, too many so-called experiences, especially those who've had NDEs. This is the best research I've, I've done since the seven plus years I've, I've been uh, retired. In fact, the, the evidence is more compelling than the quantitative stuff. That's, that's a diatribe in most of the scientific journals. There's more evidence that ESP exists than, than the medicine that we take in terms of their safety and efficacy. It's true. People don't understand that. ESP is real. And when you mention consciousness project, right, it, it, there is some esoteric aspect to it. There'll be more information about the name of the documentary that ties in the importance of the integration of spirituality, religious concepts, scientific, something that appeals to everybody, that, that what we are addressing has always been represented in various ways, in biblical texts, folklore, uh, in all countries throughout time. It's not unique to the UAP by no means. UAP is a branch of a tree. And, yeah, and it's, 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 it's a smorgasbord of the, it's like the Walmart of the, of, of the paranormal, let's face it. Uh, but, but it's unique in that respect. And uh, but nevertheless, uh, many people do have interactions with it. But when you when you mentioned the, the free study, uh, it, most of the interactions are OB related. It seems to be a conscious component, but it is physical. The the Hopkins and Jacobs when they started seeing people, and I commend them for their efforts to help many people. They largely regarded it as a terrifying, horrendous experience using hypnotic regression, and of course it is. First few times, how could it not be? Especially if you see a reptilian. Although most people see an energy being, which is interesting, according to the free survey of 3,200 plus people. But, but nevertheless, over time, the more abductions, contactees, shall we say, uh, conscious especially, but also physical, over time, especially those who had 10 plus, 20 plus, 90% of them don't want to end. You've heard that statistic before. You know, you've heard me say that before. Uh, and you can't forget that. But, but the point is, what does that mean? Does that mean you also don't want the ghost in your house to leave that often? That means you don't want to have an NDE again? When people have NDEs, they say, you know what, Bob? With passion and more belief than to have the, uh, a hand in front of their face, I'm going home. The Lord can take me today and say, you're going to die today. And I'll say, I can't wait. Why? Because I had an NDE before. What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that? PhD in this, this. Okay, I know something about this, this. It doesn't mean I know everything about anything else in the yeah, world. Yeah. Okay, obviously. Let's, not, let's, you know, let's, let's face facts. Point is, what am I who's followed the scientific method, which is good and bad, and at least I'm aware that there's a negative aspect to the scientific method, too Newtonian, too quantitative, uh, and believe me, a major shortfall. We need it, helps us all that. What am I supposed to do with it when people tell me they're going to go home, they can't wait for, for death, the people have ended? You know the story. Yeah. So we're frustrated when we hear that. Why? That appears to veil, and that's reality? Do we have to redefine reality, meaning different types of reality? A physical reality, my brain knows what my kidneys are doing. The kidney's not working well. I'll talk to another organ to produce this kind of protein to compensate these thermostats 
ballet talks about a control system. Remember? Of yeah, course. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting analogy. Uh, this control, we hear that term, we forget about it. You know, to his credit, back in uh, what, 70s, Heineck, you know, that uh, a phenomenon so foreign to our mode of thinking. You you were there, you know, this, you, it was something like that. I used, when to, Heineck I used to think said he was that. nuts. I used to think he was crazy. <laughs> right, right. But, but he, right. And then you came around, but you had to be, an, you become an experiencer. Yeah. And, and I, I'm really grateful you did. And I'm, thank you for your support and, and, and all that. But you know a lot of them. Like, you know who I wish he was here besides Stanton, obviously, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. I don't know if you know her, a good yeah, yeah, friend of mine who passed away two years ago. Yeah. She knew, boy, Dave, you would yeah. have loved her. She would have been in the documentary. Yeah. She, what a researcher, to her credit. Um, you know, it reminds me of a, uh, what's her name, um, who works with Burroughs, Linda Mouton Howe type, the journalist background. Dave has a journalist background. You see, he brings that level of investigative reporting, that, that mindset, the, the keen cognitive insight. He brings that into the arena. That's why he makes so, so much darn sense. He sounds, you know, <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. So he, he studies a great deal. So he not only has that production a capability that professionalism there, but he also brings the knowledge. And we're going to appeal to the masses overall. Don't go just by the title, but you're right. That title has to be expanded upon, and it will be. So to me, it means everything. It doesn't include religion at all. It's part of it. There's truth in everything. It's integrating it like chess. Good luck to us. Let's try to not be so, let's try to not be so frustrated as we go down the rabbit hole. But today's a good day. Let's have a cupcake with a candle in it or something even better than that, because, you know, that, that it was on today's USA This Morning uh, on the news. At least it's waking some people up. And if I may say for the fourth time, thank you very much, General, for, for your unique ways in which you are bringing this to the attention of everybody. And David and I, through the Constance uh, Connection, consciousnessfilm.info is the website. If you can support it in any way, if you resonate with what we're saying and you don't mind uh, sharing some of your wealth uh, and good cheer, thank you very much for, for and if you, that. If you'd and if you'd like to be part of the process too, you know, we are um, seeking sponsors and partners and people that want to collaborate and have ideas and so on and, you know, get involved with that. We do have a, a Facebook group um, as well that you can participate with. Um, Bob and I are always uh, reachable and, um, you know, we're open to um, brainstorming this. And I mean, when I first approached it and I first learned about some of the, these topics, I was so excited because it really is a mystery. I mean, this is one of these mysteries, kind of like the UFO phenomena, where there's really no good answer. I mean, people have a lot of hypothesis about this and, you know, the, the scientific community might look at the uh, the physiological, you know, system of the brain, but then there's a lot of other people that have these really remarkable ideas and, and, you know, you hear one idea and you're like, oh, that's it. That's definitely, you know, they're on the right track. And then the next day somebody else comes along. And um, when you have these kind of wide open spaces, you stare out to the horizon and there's no answer. And you're like, what's going to happen next? That's some of the best stuff. And um, I'm really excited. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the next chess piece is going to move for, you know, in our play in this, in this game, so to speak. But like Grant said, I hope that we do kind of present some of the, this information and that young people in the, the next generation picks it up and says, you know what? I mean, this is a new paradigm and that 
um, we should try to understand why we're here. You know, what is consciousness? What is it? What is it to be human? Why are why are we going through this? I mean, what what are these challenges and these events that we participate here on the planet? You know, the pandemic, you know, the the little dramas in our own lives. Why do we go through these experiences? You know, there's a reason for that. And I think that I think humanity is going to open up to this and one small step, one little piece at a time to kind of figure out what our role is in the universe or the universes, so to speak. And maybe um, having positive intention to present this message and to, to be open to whatever answers come forward is part of that. Because I don't have all the answers. I know Bob, I mean, half the stuff Bob talks about, it goes like that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink the coffee and tomorrow morning, I think you know, maybe it'll taste different. But, and, well, right? look, <laughs> your, your knowledge and production, you know, I feel the same way, uh, you know, and, uh, and you but, know, as far as this whole phenomenon goes, you know, we're like the three stooges here. Uh, but, but look, um, we're on the right track. A lot of things we say are true. A lot of things we say are off base. But the point is, uh, look at where we were just you know a few decades ago. Look where we are today. Evolution does happen, um, but it's slow. So let's let's be patient along the way. A documentary here or there is much needed. There's some good ones out there. Uh, too many poor ones. Uh, ours will be an extraordinary one. Like Dave said, we do need support and sponsorship for a very good cause. Um, and and and. Um, Let's take it to the next level. And uh, so <clears throat> let's keep it going. And these kind of podcasts and social networking and isolation at home, if there's any good that comes out of that, it's maybe just that people are communicating about all of this a little bit more so, meditating more, unfortunately, having more death experiences. The only good thing is that maybe they come a little more awake in the process. Uh, uh, maybe that's a, the only good thing. And I, I can't think of anything else that's good, but maybe that internal insight that pe people are gaining, uh, although not everybody makes it. Uh, and it's a, it's a sad situation indeed, but, but it does seem to be a little spiritual evolution, a little tick in the right direction. The thing on, on the news this morning, the Gilead Brand Act, uh, you know, going through eventually the bill that will be passed that's a, that's a step in the right direction. So, so again, thank you very much for what you've done to help other world and, and all those who have. Beautiful. Let, let me encourage people to uh, contribute. And because the way I always sum it up is, uh, to me, it's it's like a game. And uh, if you remember, it was rumored that um, um, uh, David Bohm had said, when you figure out the whole quantum physics thing, there's just another level below that. So we're never going to figure out anything, but we got to remember always that you and I and Dave and 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 uh, Bob and I, we are playing in the Super Bowl of all stories. If you understand what's actually going on and the implications of the fact that this talks about how does reality work, we are in the Super Bowl of all stories. We are not outside the stadium. We are not in the stands. We are on the field playing. What more could you ask for? As I always said, you could be an untouchable in the streets of Calcutta and spend your day in the junkyard looking for something valuable enough to sell for food for tomorrow. We didn't get that. We got to play in the biggest game of all times. If you understand, I maintain, I've maintained it for years. If you understand the UFO, the consciousness thing, this is the biggest story of all times. There is nothing bigger. This it will explain basically why we're here, 
what the heck's going on. And so I encourage people to help uh, play the game with us and get on the field. Beautifully said. I wish we had a pro that can do just that, but just so right. I, I, I commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beautiful gentlemen. Maybe we can do it again down the road because um, most of my audience, my audience has dropped since I did the, uh, the Tom DeLong thing years ago, but majority of the people that watch are into consciousness. They're, uh, my audience is big time into this. So let's see where it goes. Yeah, I think it's, you so it's, much, it's, it's, it's a wonderful topic and it should get more exposure and people should begin talking about it more. I mean, I'd like to hear from people from your audience as well and uh, future guests that you have on your show, because, you know, I don't think that we have the answers and, you know, I think we're, we're open minded. So. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you Grant. Uh, where are day, you Will. right now? Are you on a pontoon, but where are you? Are you on a, are you in Florida? It's a background. No, no, unless no, it's no, green screen. I, I, you're I you're up in, in the, Canada. I live in the 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 biggest uh, the may the the coldest major city in the world. I came here oh, so I couldn't do anything else except for UFOs. They stuck where me. Where are you? I mean, Winnipeg. Where are you? Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Manitoba. How yeah. are the jets playing? Uh, jets uh, are struggling like every like everybody else. Actually, they because of the COVID thing, they've sort of shut a lot of the games down. They may even shut the league down. So. Uh, but that's the thing is it's a city where there's not much goes on we just have a professional hockey team but i think that's why i was stuck here it's uh i have nothing else to do i have no life except for ufos that's all i do ufos and consciousness actually it's consciousness i don't spend much time doing ufos anymore it's all basically and in this field about what's actually going on why am i here uh why to have the experience in 1975 where am i going and that's basically what comes down to where are we from where are we going? Most people only at when they got somebody says you got three months to live, then they go, Oh my god, what's going on here? And then they try to figure it out. <laughs> we spend our entire lives trying to figure out where did we come from and where are we going? And we are on yeah. the track. This this will lead to some of the answers as to what the answer to those mysteries is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other thing, if I may add before before we all run. Uh you know, you mentioned free, and it's great to talk about that. It's important for obvious reasons, but <clears throat> I'm not really aligned with Ray anymore. I have I, I just went on free to do the article. The article was published and I split. Um, you know, I respect him for a lot of reasons. I have I have my it's issues. Still is, it still is important research. I mean, you mentioned the thing about near-death experiences, and I mean I quote it every time. The free experience showed that of all experiences, 37% had near-death experiences. The average is 5%. Do you think this is happening by accident? Or do you think that people came into the world and said, I think I'll be an experiencer and I think I'll have a near-death experience because I want to do this, whatever. We always want to play the victim that we're here by accident and we got the bad deal and we, you know, we, you know, Hillary Clinton's picking on us or whatever. But those kind of stats in the free survey, 54% of all people uh, talked to, were talked to about oneness and love. Those are the kind of stats that That's I show right. people and say, you think it's just aliens abducting people for sperm or whatever. I don't think it has anything to do with that. When you start looking uh, at the free thing or the what you talked about with the thing where the number one being that is seeing is the, uh, the, the energy being. 
reptilians weren't reported before 1988, but greys, I maintain, were not reported before 1961. And it goes back to what John Mack said at the end of his life. He said, perhaps the being you see, and he said this to Bud, he said, Bud, isn't it strange how you, you're getting all the bad ones and I'm the psychologist, and I'm getting all the good ones. Maybe Bud has more <laughs> to do with you and I than it does with the beings. And he came up with the idea at the end of his life that the being that you see may be according to your your uh, mentality. So if you're in fear, you're going to see a great, if you're very religious, you're going to see a, a, an energy being and that you are part of the- You know what I get, Grant? You know, well, we should have saved this for the show. You know, you're, so, you're right on. You know what I hear, often hear? The meaning you apply to it is what you receive. Yeah. yeah. It's simple like that. It's something like karma. It's as simple as that. Well, when I you mean, talk I to Ray, when Ray had his experience, everything's yin gang, plus and minus, positive, negative, yeah. you know, black, white. That's reality. You can lose it. Why he was told that? It was well, Jeffrey. It was Jeffrey Kripal, um in his book that he said that he thought that maybe it's like looking through a two-way mirror. Yeah. So you're actually seeing something, but you're getting a reflection back of your of something that you're yeah. perceiving, and that's why the different people perceive these different beings like that. Yeah, and 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 yeah. I've, yeah. I've got talking to experiences. I've got a number of experiencers where they saw three different beings. The one I helped her publish two books when she first saw it as a reptilian. And the next time she saw it, it was a human being. And now it's an, an, an energy being. So it's three different beings. It's the same being that she's dealing with. Or mm -hmm. uh, Sherry Wilde, who said to the being, she the being said he was from Andromeda. And there's public mm -hmm. that can't be from Andromeda. He's a gray. He's got to be from Zeta Reticuli. So you go ask him. <laughs> she goes, and she says, Doc, what's the deal? Are you actually an alien? And he said, no, that would not best describe who I am. I'm an etheric being on a mission in the cosmos for the creator. And that's the whole thing. When everybody asks the being, are you actually a being? They'll go, well, no, not really. And that's this reflective aspect that comes when you go to Skinwalker Ranch. You reflect, yeah. you get what you put out. What goes around comes around, what you sow, you reap. Or as Bashar says, what you put out comes back. That is the rule of the universe. And that's part of the thing that people are, are, are missing in this whole thing <laughs> is that we are part of it. We want to play the victim, but we are part right. of what we're seeing. We may be all of what we're seeing. It may be as, as, uh, as Deepak Chopra says, it, it may be that everything is an, act, is an activity inside consciousness, nothing more. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I was just, one, one, one thing is true too. Remember that's this, like, uh, there were so many um, experiences with beings that were from, uh, they were Venusians, if you crawl, recall this yeah, from the 50s, yeah. but as soon as science got to the point where we sent probes to Venus, that all stopped immediately because they realized it was like this dead planet or whatever, and there wasn't uh, cities there that were, the, so, yeah. it, 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 you know. Exactly. I brought that up. I said, like, the first ones in 1895, 1896, 1897, they were flying around in wooden ships with propellers and balloons. And the guys right. that came out said, we're from Mars. I said, Any, and I do it in lectures. I said, anybody think that these guys flew across from Mars in these wooden ships through the vacuum of space? You actually think they were from Mars? No, they weren't from <laughs> Mars. And, and they're, they're, it's almost like Barbara Streisand's stepson is an experiencer. And he said, when they talked to him, they said, when we come into your world, we go into your head and we see what's in your head. And if you're in fear, we will use fear to teach you a lesson. We will go into your head and use what's in your mind. There's nothing else we can do. So we build the, the lesson based upon your belief systems and what you believe and what you uh -huh. fear and stuff like that. And right. that's Barbara uh -huh. Streisand's stepson said that. Wow. Interesting. It is, isn't it?
And that's why I think it's so important to listen to the experiences because they tell you these stories where, you know, I've, I've had a lot of them. Ask them, is the, is the, or I had the one, I had these, I've had four experiences, three experiences now where the beings actually came to me and they wanted me to do a book. I've done three books. I've got another one from what are called beings in Great Britain. The first one I've seen where there's actually two people who are actually in contact with the being. And they're, they're both like two channelers. So I usually get one channeler who's getting it, but this is two women who are both. And so they, they said, the beings want to talk to you. So I went and these beings, they said, you know, they, they're, they don't have faces or anything like that. So I said, are you actually extraterrestrials? And they said, oh, if you want us to be extraterrestrials, we can be extraterrestrials if you want. We can take you to our planet. But no, uh-huh. we've always been here. You're the visitor. I just about fell off my chair. And when you start talking into the, to this kind of intelligence and you realize and you start seeing that <clears> more and more people now, even Yolanda says that they may be actually from here. And that goes to the idea. There's no time. There's no space. There's no out there. That's out what there. I think. It's all I here. Think. It's all now. I think. Yes, That's I how think. they can move around. They know how I to move think. around in the one thing. I agree. And we I make agree. all these assumptions that the world is flat. The sun goes around the earth. I, stars no, out there. No, no, well, I, I mean, our, I, our, our perspective is in within time. So if, if one second and one minute to us is a, a, a unit of time outside of that, and a uh, hundred years could be a flash like that. So even though we, we if you think about, man, our, my life was a long time. I can remember all the stuff I did. And then suddenly you're dead and you look back and you're like, okay, I'm going to have to live another hundred lives. But really mm-hmm. that, that piece of existence, that energy of experience outside of time seems a lot different than from the perspective of being within time and a whole life seems like forever. And, and mm-hmm. you think, wow, the, the investment of actually agreeing to live and experience all the things that you did in one whole life from the, the perspective of outside of life seems a lot different. It seems like, mm-hmm. okay, now that I see that, I realize that um, that wasn't so long, really. It's just it's, it's it's something that exists for all time, and many lives, past, present, future, all exist, you know, concurrently. Yeah, or you or you get the thing with the near death experience, which I think is the most some of the most important research that I, I'll maintain from what I've done, and I've done a lot of research on all of these different aspects. Yeah. Now, is that when you die, you're suddenly going to go, oh my God, it was a play. And it's like, and then you go off and do something else. Or as Whitley Strieber's wife said, came Whitley Strieber's wife, Anne, came back to him and said, Whitley, I am no longer Anne, but I'll always be Anne to you. And so a lot of us are going to get Academy yeah. Awards when they go to the other side is, oh, Dave, you actually believed. You were actually Dave. You actually believed that, man. You get the Academy <laughs> Award. That's right. And it, and it comes down to, you got to remember who you actually are. We are not the actor on the stage. We are playing an actor on the stage. Mm-hmm. And I think that the experiencers and all this, that's what it's telling us, is that when you walk off the stage, you're going to go and do another play. And near-death experience people will tell you that. Is you are not yeah. the actor on the stage. Trent, right. if we, I know this, you know this, Dave is learning. He's learning. He's coming up. You know that he has to make his mind up. But he's, you know, he's a newbie. Well, to us, I am too a newbie. Believe me, I am. Uh, but Dave may not be. I don't know. But you know, actually, Dave, no. Point is, he's learning a lot of this. The thing is, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 the thing is, I'm struggling with this all the time, and the the people do know this. And this bit, that's why this bill doesn't mean very much. How are they going to share just what you said with the public? If you know it, Dave knows it, I know it. Don't you think they know it? And they do. 
but who does? You know, who, who, you know, some names I know, but uh, there's more. Who knows? I, I don't know if Biden does. He probably doesn't. But I don't know. You don't know. That, and that's, I know you, you discussed that. that. That's not for me to mention. But when people ask me, I say, listen to grants. What the hell do I know? Uh, it's just an educated guess at best. Uh, the point is, that's the issue. And they're not going to share that. That's disclosure. This is a, I don't know, the smallest D you could find, but it's something. I'll take it. All right? You will too. Come on. You worked even, hard for it. Congratulations. Even, even the idea, if they understand, because I've got a, a, we've got a book coming out on a ports and manifestations where I look at a 1974 DIA document where they talk about a ports, making like the, the whole Skinwalker Ranch. How did they put the four bulls inside the trailer without unlocking the door and putting and putting them in there? And the DIA actually had a paper from 1974. I'll actually send you guys a copy of it. It is amazing when you see what they're working on. And they were they knew about a ports. They knew about all this kind of stuff. And they said, maybe back we can then? actually go in, into a foreign country and take the documents out and bring them back and, and look at the documents and then put them back without them even knowing. That's a port of manifestations. It happens around UFO experiences, happens around ghost experiences, stuff moving around the room, stuff disappearing and reappearing. The DIA has been working on this, but the problem is that they're working on it for weapons. So they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you that, that the, U, the UFOs are saying, get rid of the nuclear weapons, which the Canadians were told right in the word go. The, the Canadian director was told by the aliens in 1951 to, to get rid of the, what, the nuclear weapons. And you're not going to be allowed to use them. Other than that, we're going to allow the human race to stew in its own juices, which means you're very, it doesn't matter if you destroy yourselves but you're not going to destroy the world. You're not going to contaminate the world. So these kind of things, there's no way they're going to tell you that the message, they've got to have the message that the nuclear missiles, they want the nuclear missiles. They're not going to release that. So they're playing this game because, uh, you know, it's going to be destabilizing. It's going to be, you know, a, you know, this kind of stuff. So they may know a little bit, but again, they, they probably don't know the real aspect of it. They're trying to figure it out, but they're trying to figure it out for mm. weapons. They're trying to figure out how do we do it? And that's why Aesop, I said, went to Skinwalker Ranch. It didn't go for UFOs. It went because the woman brought in a bunch of groceries into the into the, into the the kitchen. She she put all the groceries away and went into another room, came back, and all the groceries are back in the bag. And, and you look, you're an intelligence guy, and you go, my God, would we love to be able to do that? I mean, go right. into you know, make Putin stuff disappear and, and stuff like that. That's what they're looking. So that's, I agree. They're not going to release that kind of stuff because they're looking at it for their own interest. But you and I have the interest of the world in terms of what does this really mean? What is the message? We got to get the message that the intelligence is trying to give to the world. They are working through us, I believe. That's why they're doing the weird thing. Why do UFOs have lights on them? They have lights on them so you can see them. They want you to see them. This is all a play. This is all them getting your attention, mm -hmm. doing weird stuff to get your attention to drag you down the rabbit hole so people start working and it's almost like any other social political movement whether it be gay rights or or african-american we may think we're losing they're making bad jokes about us or whatever but in the end as the consciousness rises and people talk about it everybody's going to suddenly go oh i know what's going on that's what happened yeah. in the new york times article when the new york times article came out Stephen Greer and even I believe that the stock market melt meltdown when they actually said, yeah, UFOs are real because everybody would say, oh, you don't need oil anymore. What happened when the New York Times article came out? Everybody went, yeah, I knew that already. Uh, tell me the next thing. And we're, we're moving up. The consciousness is rising. I don't care what anybody says. It's rising at a, at a very- It's rising. Rate. Look, look, look. Let me leave you with this. I was on a night a few weeks ago. I'm looking up in the sky, three stars. And I said, say, I want to I memorize the stars that I'm looking at. I just thought came to me. I want to learn when I look at these, I know them. 
So I get up my little, uh, you know, app, uh, Beneb, it's going to the north, Altair, Vega, Beneb, Altair, look it up, Vega. And this is the first time I ever said that. Yeah. D, in that order, A, B, Dave, Baby, Bob, Davis. I mean, I mean, Dave, I mean, you know, I know coincidence, I win the lottery, I know all that kind of shit, but of all the letters, of all the stars, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, coincidence, okay. But, you know, I know we all get a million of them, but it's just that, even if you're aware of it, the timing, meaning thing. Look, Linda Noyes had one she shared on Space Hot Radio today. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're, we're living in Disneyland, but at least we're not like people who are totally like sort of have no clue what's going on at all. Who are just basically, you know, taking their kids to soccer practice nah. and, and doing their stuff. And they're at their level. But that's why I say we have to respect the fact that like the Bible says too much is given, much is expected. Edgar Casey said knowledge not used is sin. So the mm. three of us are in a worse position because if it comes down to the end of life and they say, oh, that guy didn't know any better. You and I knew better. We knew the importance of this issue, and it's up to us to move it because too much is given, much is expected. Why? Why? Why do this leave me alone? <laughs> Why because you, you agreed do? to it. You're, 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 in to position it. To, you're in a position to, to elevate others. If you, you know, hey, a few people listen to us. I get it. You know, if you, I, I wonder, six million plus have, have seen him. You influence, you turn some heads. You, you woke some people up. We're gonna, you know, that's the whole point in part. How you much? How much do you think? How much do you think this is uh, related to technology, like the next evolution of fr uh, free energy system, you know, uh, propulsion systems, and so on? I mean, you know, if you look at every paradigm um, in technology, there's always been this like shift. It's almost like this was given to somebody, you know, this idea, and yeah. maybe we're at this cusp of this next um, iteration of technology. But it's also so dangerous because it's has so much potential for, for being used, you know, as a weapon system as well. So I've, I've done a lot of writing on, I asked Jacques Vallée about this. I did a lot of writing about the whole thing about the crash flying saucers. I was the one that released the Wilson document. The Wilson document, it says, we think we have a craft that we can fly, which means that they got a craft that they can't fly. It's totally intact. They can't fly it because you need a consciousness interface to fly it. And so when I look at the metal material. I said, isn't it strange to say to Jacques, Jacques, this doesn't make any sense. I said they, they, they go across the time and space, they, they dodge galaxies mm -hmm. and black holes and they get all the way here. And then they're going at eight miles an hour in, in 1895, in, in, um, in 1897, in, in, in balloons in, and wooden ships, yeah. And in, in, in they, they hit a windmill at eight miles an hour and they think of the crash. And I said, and then there's little pieces falling down. And I said, Jacques, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, how do little pieces falling off a flying saucer after it's flown across the galaxy? I said, this looks more like they're gifting this stuff, that they're dropping it, because that's what Bigelow said. Bigelow said, I think they're mm -hmm. seeding these things around the planet. And then, and then, it's and, like a carrot uh, on a stick, you know? Gar Gary told me the other day, it's like leaving breadcrumbs. Exactly. And, and, breadcrumbs. They, and Gary was at the field with Tyler D. And as my friend had showed Tyler D where the field was in New Mexico. And, and Diane Pasolka talks about this. She said, when he took Gary and I to the field to, with the blindfolded and they started the stuff, the first thing Tyler did is start to pray. And they opened up the fence that had a lock on it and went inside and he made an altar. And he said, there's, she said, there's all these altars all over the place. That would indicate someone knows something. And this whole idea that it's much more spiritual than people think it is. And so I asked Jacques, I said, Jacques, this looks like it's gifting. He said, 
I think I'm the one that came up with that idea. So they know, they know this idea that we're being helped, that we're being guided because otherwise every, why are all these pieces of the latest one that I, I, I've got a YouTube coming out in a couple of days on this where, where, where Nolan talks about the two pieces of metal, you know, the ones with the Uba Tuba from, from Brazil. And he said, look at these two pieces of metal. They're from the same crash. And one has the isotopes all messed up and the other one, the isotopes are normal. And they're trying to figure out, oh, did they stir the ice cream? What's going on? And it's like, no, it's theory of wow. They want you to go, what the hell's going on? Why is the one piece uh, messed up and why is the other? That, that's why they're dropping the stuff. All the pieces are different. They're all these weird things and they're getting you, they're dragging you down the rabbit hole the same as they give you. The- it, 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 yeah, it's a Roswell, the 2021 version of Roswell. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and so we've all we've all been maybe we even agreed that we'd come in and you drop me this piece of metal and I'm gonna find this piece of metal I'm gonna do this and and it's, it's all yeah. less random than I think it is because when you right. look at the UFO phenomena you see all the stuff and it's all this theory of wow is is every everything you go wow what is going on what are they doing and they're making it weird because if they don't make it weird you're not gonna pay attention that's why mm-hmm. everything is so weird and so dramatic and when it happens to you it's like near death experience people. The 75 to 80% of people who are near-death experiences get divorced because their life is flipped upside down. Their, their, right. their, their partner says, you're absolutely crazy. Stop talking about right. this. And right. even Ray's wife was ready to divorce him. It's this idea is you go down the rabbit hole with this weird stuff and it's you agree to do it, but you get, we are the messiahs. We get become consumed by it. We can't let it go. And, and we're doing our job, but we don't realize that we may have agreed to this whole thing. I know. You're exactly right. Exactly right. We're, we're sort of, and that's consciousness, the piece of it, or part of it. I gotta go, guys. Okay. Yeah. You mention mention the documentary one more time. When do you expect it to be out? Well, right now we're in pre-production, and you know we're um, you know we have several interviews in the can. Um, we don't have uh, an air date at this time. I mean, wh- when I talked to Bob, I was like, look, because we don't have funding for the film, we can't go out and make it right now. So we're you know doing it, um, kind of um, bootlacing it and uh, um, doing it for free. The, the funds that we're seeking um, really are to cover production costs. You know, one of the biggest one is all these, a lot of these people are around the country. So to, get, yeah. to actually do high level production, we have to go there and film them uh, versus doing it via Zoom to actually do a, a production like that. So we're trying to, to do it um, step by step. And at this point, we don't have an air date. And, and where, where do they contact you? Have you got a website or a, an email where they can contact you if they're interested? Yeah, the, the easiest place to, to go where it has all the information is consciousnessfilm.info. Um, you know, consciousness, the word film, like film.info is the website. And there you'll find an email portal. You'll find links to a screener that we did, um, a teaser film that kind of sets up the topics. You'll see uh, the participants that um, have agreed to be interviewed in the film. You can reach out and contact us. There's an email list as well. If you send me the link to the, uh, or the, the access to the teaser, I'll put the teaser on the front so we can put it up awesome. links in the in the in the stuff for people and uh hopefully people will join on because uh they may have agreed to do this and this is part of uh what it's about to be alive is to contribute to the world so i, I appreciate the, the work you guys are doing anything i can do to help you i'm i'm here thanks so much thanks so much Beautiful. appreciate your support okay thank you thank gentlemen. You we'll you talk to you later okay bye bye That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me 
for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.